You've scanned the headlines, read the articles, and liked the posts. Now listen to the experts themselves in the Future of Work podcast, presented by allwork.space. Are you ready? Welcome back to the Future of Work podcast. Uh, this is Frank Cottle uh, with allwork.space, and I'm here with our guest, Jacob Bates, the CEO of Common Ground. Jacob, welcome. Thanks, Frank. It's great to be here. Happy New Year. So, you know, Jacob, your background is is somewhat unique. I've been around this industry for more than 40 years now, and it's very rare to find someone uh, that has the commercial real estate and enterprise real estate, especially background that you have. I see that you've really worked in more than 70 countries globally, and that's huge. That's more than I've worked in. I've only worked in 54. Um, so, uh, I'm very interested for you to tell, tell us a little bit about your background and how you moved from the enterprise real estate zone over to the flexible workplace zone. Well, that's a great question. And, and thanks for that. That's very flattering. You know, I've, I've been blessed throughout my career to have stepped foot in many countries around the planet and have a lot of different experiences with a lot of different facets and parts of the real estate industry. Uh, and that's led me to, you know, where I believe is where we're going, which is a complete re-strategization and innovation of the office sector of the industry. Uh, and I think it's been on its way for a while, but it's been something that's been coming for a long time. Uh, but yeah, I spent uh, you know, over about 20 years with the corporate real estate world for different enterprise companies and managing their portfolio. And that took me all over the world and was a great blessing. And I learned how people work and how they didn't work and what we I found a lot, a lot of interesting ways to work, and uh, that led me to Common Grounds, where we're not a co-working company, but we are a workplace as a service company, and where we see the industry going is quite different. And the reason I got involved into co-working, um, or you know, as we were describing, as workplace as a service in a flexible office industry, is because when I worked for these enterprise companies, what I found was we could lay off our people, but we could not lay off our real estate. <laughs> Boy, that's the truth. Uh, I've seen, uh, I guess, five or six economic cycles now, and the uh, vacancy factors in the corporate world are staggering during a negative cycle. And even during a positive cycle, they don't seem to be terribly effective. Yeah, you're 100% right there. I mean, some of the enterprise companies I work for, even some of the portfolios I got into, when I was with uh, CBRE and other service providers, was the utilization of space never really got higher than you know sixty, the high sixty percentile. And in yeah. a down market in a recessionary period, we were getting into the forties. And so the utilization and the efficiency of space just wasn't there. And now with technology, you know, work is becoming more ubiquitous. Everybody has a different work style, and that's being enabled by technology, it's becoming much more inefficient. And the workplace is now a tool for attracting and retaining the most valuable asset on the planet for companies, which is people. People, absolutely. Did you find that within the enterprise environment that the main drivers for migration to flexible workplace when they started, when you started, uh, was, uh, I'll say, balance sheet management or uh, personnel management? Which, which was the primary driver? It's definitely a balance sheet driver. You know, I think you look at open plan workplaces, workspaces, and, you know, it, it didn't come to the U.S. until, you know, maybe 10 or 20 years ago in that time span. But it was a financial exercise. 
It, it was nothing more than that. We sold it to everybody that it was going to be collaborative and it's going to help them be more innovative and creative and help them be more productive in the workplace environment. And that, that was you know a bunch of nonsense. It was just a financial exercise. And I think as you look at, you know, you, you can't blame CFOs and you can't blame CEOs of companies that have got to report to Wall Street every 90 days. And, you know, they can't go to Wall Street and say, hey, your money looks really bad, but your people are happy. Uh, but you have to find that balance between, you know, keeping people happy, which are your most valuable assets, and making sure that you have a healthy balance sheet. And part of that's going to require that you think about your real estate differently. Yeah, I think that the, the balance sheet really, if, if I look at the drivers, uh, that to me has been the was the initiate the great initiator of things. And it had to do with those economic cycles. As they bounce back and forth. Um, that's my own view, at least. Finding that balance point, as you say, is critical. But I think that uh, people's requirement now uh, on the HR side, that companies have a flexible workplace program of some sort, or they, they're not getting the talent. Um, that has a big impl- implication uh, now as well. You, you say your, your, your company wasn't a, isn't a co-working company specifically. Um, but you describe yourself as a workplace as a service company. How, how do you define the differences? Well, I would describe co-working as a space where companies come together to share certain infrastructure, to share the amenities, the conference rooms, the kitchenettes, the, you know, the pantries, the event spaces. And you have multiple companies that are sharing that space uh, and that environment. And, and that's been around for a long time. I think co-working... Oh, yeah. Yeah. We used to call it networking. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's called networking, executive suites. You know, it's been around for a long time. It's been around for 50 years. And so I think that as we look at Common Grounds, while we started out as a co-working company, it's not where we're headed or where we're going. And we see huge opportunity as we look at the workplace as a service world as an expansion of the and a next generation of the property services industry. And so I think one of the things that co-working did really well was take networking and make it more about community and do it pretty effectively. Uh, yeah, the other thing about co-working is it began to solve for slightly bigger small businesses and startups uh, versus what the executive suite era was solving for, which is much more smaller companies, you know, a couple of persons, a couple of people, one single person. So they, they had some enterprises too, but nothing like you're seeing today. And a big driver of that is just companies are utilizing space differently. And so as we look at co-working, I look at co-working as a piece of workplace as a service. It's a single workplace product sitting inside of workplace as a service, but there's other workplace and place products sitting inside there as well, including traditional office. Well, you know, I, I would agree with that. I, I kind of, Historically, we've said that our industry was comprised of those companies that provided the combination of people, place, and technology into a single bundled product and delivered it with a highly flexible service agreement. That's what differentiated this from conventional real estate. Um, We didn't focus on community, it doesn't seem, until co-working started emerging and even maturing a little bit. Uh, and I think community now is uh, is one of the big four. It's not the big three, people, place, technology. It's community now as well. But I, I'll also add, I'd be, be interested in your comment on this. As companies mature, as, as we started co-working in the 10 years ago, let's say, 
keeping it simple. Um, and it was mostly individuals. And as those individuals aged, matured, started building companies, our industry started having to deliver a different style of space to meet the needs of those companies. So I would say that individuals co-work, they share, they work together and, 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 and compatibly, but companies actually need privacy so they can develop their own communities, their own cultures. And it seems to me that you're focusing more on the latter than the former. That's definitely right. I think that's well said, Frank. You know, individuals co-work, and if you look at the true definition of co-work back then, that's what it was, is individuals co-working. Companies, especially large companies, you know, look at the Fortune 1500 companies, they're not going to co-work. They're going to want their own proprietary spaces where they can bring their own brand, their own culture. They have their own brand and culture. They don't need Common Grounds' brand and culture. They need a place where it's activated and enabled by technology that can bring all of those modern things that co-working has you know, embraced and perhaps solved or modernized and bring it into a place where they can have flexibility, but they don't need any of those other things, but they need a space that's as a service that's on demand that looks and feels and acts like an extension of something they feel for themselves. But they need that flexibility to be able to say in even growth or even recessionary times, they have optionality. You know, historically, the thousand pound gorilla that's dealt with the enterprise client has been Regis. They focused on that client base for decades now and are obviously very successful if you look at their both their mass and their value as a company. How do you position common ground differently to service that same customer base uh, than someone as large as Regis with uh, 3,500 locations? What we're doing is a much more targeted focus on those enterprise companies. So one of the things, I mean, I, I struggled with Regis's in the past where, you know, working for some of these Fortune 100 companies, the technology actually isn't there to be able to come in and plug and play at a true enterprise level for especially a healthcare company who has, you know, HIPAA laws. Sure, HIPAA and, issues, yeah. yeah. All of those things. A technology company that's concerned about data security, they need to be able to plug and play. And we've had Fortune 100 companies come to us and literally come in and plug and play because the security system's there or the, uh, the ability to adapt the existing system with limited time and cost is available to them to create the secure functionality that they need in the space. And so where we're going, but that's just one piece of it. Now we're talking about the demand side piece of it. The other piece of it is the supply side. And I think as you look at the next generation of the property services industry, it's going to become the ability to connect those relationships between supply and demand through partnerships at both levels to create the spaces that have the optionality and the flexibility that the demand side needs for the end of the day, their people and their talent. Well, do you think, I mean, in the old days, um, we were really impressed when we got our first digital switch, a fax machine, uh, uh, the ability to transfer phone calls, take messages, if you will. Um, today, it seems like the technology that we're going to be seeing in the next generation or maybe your generation of centers is the physical space that's highly flexible, the short-term service agreement. But we're really probably going to start looking at managed network services as opposed to anything else, because anybody can provide bandwidth. That's easy. 
but it's the network services that you talk about for privacy, for security, um, uh, that uh, seems to be the next level. Uh, what's your thought on that? Oh, I think you're 100% right. Data security is critical. I mean, physical security, data security, visual security is massively, incredibly important to all of these companies. We've had a company that has come to us at one of our locations and we're the only actually operator that's able to solve it, but they actually want to put a data center in our space. So that concept is is definitely coming along. Um, but I think it'll be more of a managed service, though, by the operator than a individual rack it up and run your own knock. Yes, you know? I agree. It'll be as we get back to a workplace as a service. And so that encompasses everything in the workplace. And it's as a service. It's a managed service, whether that's physical space, that's, you know, managed networks and data security, whether that's hospitality, whatever that might be, it's going to be as a service. And I think you made another good point too, which is it's not about Wi-Fi anymore. And 5G is about to completely exactly. change that world entirely. Wi-Fi is almost going to become obsolete with 5G. And who knows what they're yep. planning for after 5G. And so it has to become about these other things uh, you know, another thing that you mentioned is the physical space. Can the space, and that was another reason why I got into workplaces and services, the built environments couldn't change in the past. And working for a tech company in the Bay Area, we needed the built environment to adapt and evolve to our business. We were growing so fast. We're tearing down walls every six months. That just doesn't make sense anymore. No, I, I get that uh, very, very definitely. Um, where do you think the drivers will be that will grow the sector over the next five years? What do you think the, where's the next generation of customer coming from that's going to keep the, the, the industry growing? Or, or do you think that corporations will start building more and more of their own space? I see the growth with enterprise companies. So I think what we saw the last, I would say 2016, they started to adopt. So when I say enterprise companies, I'm defining those as usually companies with a hundred people or more, or, you know, I think the best definition is, is the Fortune 1500 or the Global 2000, whichever one you want to use. Those companies began to really adopt this, you know, space as a service environment in 2016. And we saw the last year a huge ramp up in those companies looking at this model rather than traditional leases. And so they've got a number of drivers pushing them towards this. You've got the war for talent, which is not going to go away in a recession. Like everybody's thinking, oh, let's get a recession. We'll be able to reset the war for talent. You know, the tables will turn and the company will now be in control again. The talent won't have all these leverage over the company. I don't think that's going to change. And I think no, it's, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's going to accelerate personally. hundred percent. It's going to accelerate as technology. Everybody wants to talk about technology. The robots are coming. AI, 5G, that's all coming. It's all true. And as that comes and it automates work. People are now going to do the things that they are best at, which is use our superhuman powers, which means we need to humanize the workplace to solve for that. And as people begin to have to use their superhuman powers that robots don't have, that's going to create an even bigger reward for talent. No, I, I, I agree with that. You know, it's funny because uh, I, I, I referenced people, place, technology. Well, we know the people aren't going to go away. I don't care what the views are on AI. Uh, we're always going to have people. And I think that what's going to go away are going to, we're going to find depreciating more and more is the place is, is the value of location 
uh, because you can work anywhere on anything, anytime. Uh, borders are not going to matter materially when it comes to technology and, and the transfer of knowledge back and forth. So I think if we're going to have a, a next disruptive process, it's going to be in uh, the depreciation of commercial office space uh, that's not serviced. Uh, and then possibly an oversupply as people rush to create more and more service space. What are your, your views in that regard? I think you're right is that as you look at commercial office, it is at a place where it has to change. It's never really innovated itself. Everything on the face of the planet has been innovated except for these buildings that have, you know, for the lifespan of a building is basically 73 years. The question I ask owners today is are you ready for your building to last till 2093 or are you going to become obsolete in 2023? Because you need to think about your space as a workplace ecosystem and not just sign a long-term financial instrument with a Fortune 100 company and call it a day for 10 years. I think we'll see a lot of commercial real estate just completely repurposed. Your company's been growing and it's been growing uh, very nicely, obviously, and, and uh, appears to be doing very, very well. Um, you have a different a little bit different profile of your locations, it looks like, to me at least, than some of other companies. But also, you uh, have been very successful uh, in bringing capital to your company, in particular from Amar, who we both know is a, probably the biggest powerhouse in commercial real estate today as, as an investor. How did you specifically get tied up with Amar, and do you have plans for markets outside the U.S. and specifically in the Middle East? Again, we've been focused much more on locations where we believe there's enterprise demand. Uh, I mean, that's been proven where in this past month, we actually signed up a single occupier enterprise company for three of our locations uh, in one month. And so we, we kind of saw that demand, saw the different market and industry sectors and saw them take it up. And they signed anywhere from one to three-year commitments for those locations. So we've been much more focused on, you know, where is the demand from an enterprise perspective and where we're going as we go forward, especially as we dive deeper. One of the things we do have to thank uh, we work for in the last couple of months is a massive 180 pivot towards joint venture agreements with asset owners, uh, which we've always saw was coming. And as we go that route now full speed, we are definitely much more targeted, doing less spec uh, workplace environments and doing much more things based upon demand-driven environments where we're working with an enterprise customer for a space in a location. Uh, so, but so to your next question with with Amar. So, uh, for those folks who, who may not know, Amar is the world's largest real estate developer uh, based out of the Middle East. Their founder chairman is Mohammed Alabar, who is very connected. He's connected personally to Common Grounds. And so Muhammad has a, you know, he's a very visionary man and he, he definitely sees the future of real estate evolving and changing and sees that the future of office needs to get to a place where it's an activated workplace ecosystem that is solving for all of the things that there's a lot of friction between supply and demand today in office and being able to bridge that gap to align both supply and demand's interests in a way that can create you know, profitable asset ownership, actually probably more profitable asset ownership than what they have today. The space will be worth more than it is traditionally as we go forward in the future, but aligning with what supply actually needs going forward, which is a lot of flexibility 
optionality, modern workplace environments that are safe and secure for their people. And so as the art vision really aligned with Muhammad in how he looks at real estate, and he's way more visionary than myself, um, but he definitely sees that changing as, uh, as everything else is changing around the world. Well, you know, I, I'm curious, as I look at your company, and I know Amar, as, as you're aware, because of our own operations in the Middle East and in the Emirates, um, I look at your company and I, I wonder, um, uh, have they invested in your company because they see you as becoming the future operating infrastructure um, uh, for all of their larger commercial buildings uh, in, a, in some way? or because they see you as a great uh, independent company uh, servicing a different market than they, they serve? There's definitely a lot of vision in the, in the plan there. You know, I think there's opportunities in both uh, perspectives from what you said, opportunities both in their own portfolio. You know, they're a big believer in hospitality, and the hospitality is a big part of the yep. future of office, you know, mixed with everything's as a service. And how do you provide that for opportunities for growth, for companies to grow, uh, for people to grow and, and have those opportunities? as well as just looking at the way to completely disrupt the property services industry. I think everybody's focused on co-working, 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 and that's disrupting office. Really what we're disrupting is the property services industry, which has been around forever, but it's been yes. all about fix the ceiling tile. It's been about maintenance and repair and you know, accounting has been a big piece of that. There's never been really this hospitality and, you know, workplace is a service piece of it where you're doing managed networks and, you're thinking about different place products inside of that. You're thinking about events and, and programming throughout the building. You're thinking about a workplace ecosystem and how do people get to and from work. You're thinking about their work life and their day and what do they need to balance the work and life components of people's lives. It's been much more focused on you know, the office, as you know, Frank, is their customer for the last 50 years has been the capital markets. And today... Right. It always has been, but today they're finally realizing their customer are people. And now that that's come to light and fruition, it's still coming to light and fruition for some owners. That's changing how they have to think about their buildings. Well, I, I think the, the current war for talent and the requirement for flexible works release programs that the human resources departments of the enterprise companies are demanding be available uh, it's really changing the whole way that uh, the real estate departments and corporations are, are not necessarily uh, making the decisions anymore. Uh, it, it's the human resources departments that are demanding what the, what the type of product they want uh, more than anything else. So I, I think you're right. It's the people. Yeah, 100%. Uh, which kind of takes me to the getting towards the last question or two here. Um, what strategic planning do you think you should do and the industry at large should consider? Uh, for when the market goes flat or even retreats as it, as it historically has, we're, we're on the longest bull run we've had uh, that I can remember. Um, usually after six or seven years, we start to go the other direction. We haven't right now. Uh, when we do, it could be pretty extreme. Uh, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? And what, recommendations would you would you make a couple of things i think that's why we need to have a massive pivot away from being signing leases and it needs to become much more asset light in partnership with owners and the owners they've owned the assets for ever and they have a lot more flexibility and agility 
when the markets do turn. And they will turn and there will be bumps ahead for everyone, including common grounds. But I think also as we look at the industry, not only is it going to require a joint venture and managed partnership with asset owners, it's going to require a focus on companies that are a little more anti-cyclical or have anti-cyclical dynamics happening to them today in a growth market. As and who do you who would that who would typify that in So as we look at you know the different constituent groups who utilize flexible office, you, you could look at the independents, the individuals, they're not gonna withstand the a recessionary period. You look at startups, they're gonna a lot of them may not survive, but they'll go back to you know mom's garage or, or Starbucks. It's gonna be the enterprise companies because they have a lot of other drivers. They're driving them to think about real estate differently that even in a bear market, it's going to require them to think of, to, to retain talent. They may not be hiring, but they're not going to lose the people that they have. They're going to want to limit their upfront costs. There's a lot of corporate debt out there that's been rising. They're not going to want to spend a lot of CapEx and sign long-term leases when there's even more uncertainty. So they've been adopting flexible office and workplace as a service because the uncertainty has been, well, we don't know how fast we're going to grow. Well, the uncertainty going the other way is going to be, well, we don't know when this is going to change or correct. Why would I sign a 10 to 15 year lease and pour a couple hundred dollars of CapEx into the space when I have no idea what's going to happen? And so there's going to be, I think, as you balance your portfolio, you have to think about the constituent groups that are going to have a lot more longevity. And you look at the S&P 500, you know, those companies, they're only surviving about 15 years now. So you have to also think about those customers who are going to continue to survive not only this recession that's you know we've been waiting for it like you said for a very long time, um, and we've been in this incredible bull market, but the next one after that and the one after that. You know, if you were to advise a Fortune 100 companies today on the future use of their office space, um, helping them to redesign the way they were doing all of their portfolio management, what would that advice look like? Uh, and how would you back up your advice? How would, how would you give them data points, if you will, to say, I'm right and here's why? Well, it's interesting. I actually had that one of those conversations today. Um, I, won't, I won't name the company. Yeah, I, your, your, secretary called, <laughs> your secretary called me and told me about that. So, uh, no. Uh, uh, it, you know, the conversation we're having is about, a, you know, doing an HQ build type of product for them where we are going to design, we're going to source, design, build, operate, and manage the location for them. Uh, they're a Fortune 100 company, uh, very big company, and they're looking for space for, you know, a couple of hundred people. And they don't want to sign a long-term lease. And I actually began to pitch on this a couple months ago. They called me today to continue that conversation in a much deeper sense. And it was, you know, back as we looked at the pitch a couple months ago, it was why would you sign a long-term lease in this city at this peak of the market when you're yeah. this is a new department for you because your business is evolving, you're getting ahead of that, and you're looking to have a few hundred people, but you don't know how big or how fast you're gonna have a couple hundred people. And you might end up with a thousand people and you, you know, or 10. <laughs> exactly. And so how do you go about signing the landlord wants a 12 year lease in this building and you're going to end up putting about 200 bucks a foot because that's your programming requirements. How do you justify that to your board of directors? No, it, uh, it certainly makes sense. Um, 
There's no no question about that. Uh, uh, overall, you know, we've always thought that uh, a corporate uh, enterprise uh, groups uh, liability in their balance sheet in terms of years uh, from real estate should match the life cycle of their employment base. So if their average employee base was five and a half years or six and a half years that their life, their balance sheet uh, shouldn't ever extend beyond that. Um, and that kind of keeps things uh, working. No, I think that's that's exactly right. And you look at some of the companies that I've, I've advised in the past and we looked at different studies, you know, real estate, like I said at the beginning, you couldn't lay off your real estate, but you could lay off your people. We need to reverse that opportunity and trend where you can actually lay off your real estate before you lay off your people. Because right now, if you sign long-term leases, you're going to lag about 36 months before you can actually restructure the real estate, sublease it, do something, get it off your balance sheet, or the lease just simply ends, the average over a portfolio is going to be about a 36-month lag. Well, I think that makes a lot of sense. Is there anything that you want to uh, leave us with, uh, leave the group with that will be uh, listening to this? Uh, kind of your opportunity for a little micro-infomercial about common grounds or, or anything that you want to want to close with yourself? I think this has been a fantastic discussion. We've talked a lot of, about a lot of very interesting topics that I'm interested to see how they play out and how Common Grounds is a part of that over the next, not only 2020, but the next decade. And you know, I think the listeners who are listening to this, if you'd love to learn more, reach out to us. We're definitely looking to innovate and continue to think about the workplace as a service model differently. And we're always open to feedback and input on how we can improve upon it. Uh, even asset owners, I think asset owners reach out to us. If you're thinking about how and you should think about your building going forward in the future, it's more than just you know co-working or, or workplace uh, dip products. So there's events and programming that should be happening in your building. There's a connection with technology to activate the building. There's a connection to, to food and beverage and all of those different things to really create a true ecosystem for people to come and work every day. Jacob, I really appreciate your time very much. And I look forward to exploring some other topics in the future. That sounds like a blast, Frank. I appreciate the opportunity and look forward to connecting again. If it's impacting the future of work, it's in the Future of Work podcast by allwork.space. Are you ready?